Act Three of Love in a Bottle by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One A Room in Lucinda's House. Enter Leanthe. Methinks this livery suits ill my birth, but slave to love I must not disobey. His service is the hardest vassalage, forcing the powers divine to lay their godships down, to be more gods, more happy here below. Thus I, poor wanderer, have left my country, disguised myself so much, I hardly know whether this habit or my love be blindest, to follow one, perhaps, that loves me not, though every breath of his soft words was passion, and every accent love oh roebuck <laughs> enter roebuck this is the page love's link boy that must light me the way oh no pretty boy has your lady beaten you ha this lady must be a venus for she has got a cupid in her family tis a wondrous pretty boy leanthe starts and stares at him but a very comical boy. What the devil did she stare at? Leanthe, aside. Oh, heavens! Is the object real, or are my eyes false? Is that Roebuck, or am I Leanthe? I am afraid he is not the same, and too sure I am not myself. <sighs> what offence could such pretty innocence commit? to deserve a punishment to make you cry oh sir a wondrous offence what is it my child i pricked my finger with a pin till i made it bleed such little boys as you should have a care of sharp things indeed sir we ought for it pricked me so deep that the sore went to my very heart poor boy here's a plaster for your sore finger Gives Leanthe gold. Sir, you had best kept it for a sore finger. Returns it. Oh, my conscience, the boy's witty, but not very wise in returning gold. Come, come, you shall take it. Forces it upon her and kisses her. That's the fitter cure for my sore finger. <sighs> the same dear lips still. Oh, that the tongue within them were as true. By heavens, this boy has the softest pair of lips I ever tasted, and e'er found before the ladies kissed their pages. But now, if this rogue were not too young, I should suspect you beforehand with me. Egad, I must kiss him again. Come, you shall take the money. Kisses. Oh, how he bribes me into bribery. But what must I do with this money, sir? You must get a little mistress and treat her with it. Sir, I have one mistress already, and they say no man can serve two masters, much less two mistresses. How many mistresses have you, pray? Um, egad, the boy has posed me. How many, child? Why, let me see. There was Mrs. Mary, Mrs. Margaret, Mrs. Lucy, Mrs. Susan, Mrs. Judy, and so forth, to the number of five and twenty or thereabouts. Oh, your powers! 
and did you love them all yes desperately i would have drunk and fought for any one of them i have sworn and lied to every one of them and have lain with them all that's for your encouragement boy learn betimes youth young plants should be watered your smock face was made for a chamber utensil and did not one escape you yes one did to devil take her what don't you love her then no faith but he bear her an amorous grudge still something between love and spite he could kill her with kindness i don't believe it sir you could not be so hard-hearted sure her honourable passion i think should please you best oh child boys of your age are continually reading romances filling your heads with that old bombast of love and honour but when you come to my years you'll understand better things and must i be a false treacherous villain when i come to your years sir is falsehood and perjury essential to the perfect state of manhood pshaw children and old men always talk thus foolishly you understand nothing boy yes sir i've been in love and much more than you i perceive it appears then that there's no service in the world so educating to a boy as a lady's by joe this spark may be older than i imagine hark ye sir do you never pull off your lady's shoes and stockings do you never reach for the pincushion do you never sit on her bedside and sing to her ah come tell me that's my good boy makes much of her yes i do sing her asleep sometimes but do you never waken her again no but i constantly wake myself my rest's always disturbed by visions of the devil who would imagine now that this young shaver could dream of a woman so soon but what songs does your lady delight in most passionate ones sir i'll sing you one of them if you'll stay with all my heart my little cherubim the rogue is fond of showing his parts come begin how blessed are lovers in disguise like gods they see as i do thee unseen by human eyes exposed to view i'm hid from you i'm altered yet the same the dark conceals me love reveals me love which lights me by its flame were you not false you me would know for though your eyes could not devise your heart had told you so your heart would beat with eager heat and me by sympathy would find true love might see one change like me false love is only blind oh my little angel in voice and shape kisses her i could wish myself a female for thy sake leanthe aside 
you're much better as you are for my sake or if thou wert a woman i would what would you marry me would you marry me marry your child no no i love you too well for that you should not have my hand but all my body at once what to our business is your lady at home my lady what business have you with my lady pray sir don't ask questions you know mr lovewell yes very well he's my great friend and one i would serve above all the world but his sister his sister ha huh? that gives me a twinge for my sin pray mr page was leanthe well when you left her no sir but wondrous melancholy by the departure of a dear friend of hers to another world oh that was the person mentioned in her letter whose departure occasioned your departure for england that was the occasion of my coming too sure sir oh it was a dear friend to me the loss makes me weep poor tender-hearted creature but it's still fine there was not a word of me pray good boy let your mistress know here's one to wait on her your business is from mr lovewell i suppose sir yes yes then i'll go exit i've thrown my cast and i'm fairly in for it but aren't i an impudent dog had i as much gold in my breeches as brass in my face i durst attempt a whole nunnery this lady is a reputed virtue of good fortune and quality i am a rakily rascal not worth the groat and without any farther ceremony i'm going to debauch her but hold she does not know that i'm this rakily rascal and i know that she's a woman one of eighteen too beautiful witty oh my conscience upon second thoughts i'm not so very impudent neither now as to my management i'll first try the whining addresses and see if she'll bleed in the soft vein enter lucinda have you any business with me sir thus looked a forbidden fruit luscious and tempting tis ripe and will soon fall if one will shake the tree have you any business with me sir comes nearer yes madam the business of mankind to adore you my love like my blood circulates through my veins and at every pulse of my heart animates me with a fresh passion wonder not madam at the power of your eyes whose painted darts have struck on a young and tender heart which they easily pierced and which unaccustomed to such wounds finds to smart more painful leanthe peeping in oh traitor just such words he spoke to me heyday i was never so attacked in all my life in love with me sir did you ever see me before never by jove oh ten thousand times madam your lovely idea is always in my view whether asleep or awake eating or drinking walking sitting or standing alone or in company my fancy wholly feeds upon your dear image and every thought is you now have i told about fifteen lies in a breath i suppose sir you are some conceited young scribbler 
who has got the benefits of a first play in your pocket, and are now going a fortune hunting. But why a scribbler, madam? Are my clothes so coarse as if they were spun by those lazy spinsters, the muses? Does the party of my foretop show so thin, as if it resembled the two withered tops of Parnassus? Do you see anything peculiarly whimsical or ill-natured in my face? Is my countenance strained, as if my head were distorted by a strangury of thought? Is there anything proudly, slovenly, or affectedly careless in my dress? Do my hands look like paper-moths? I think, madam, I have nothing poetical about me. Yes, sir. You have wit enough to talk like a fool, and are fool enough to talk like a wit. You call me poet, madam, and I know no better way of revenge than to convince you that I am won by my impudence. Offers to kiss her hand. Then make me a copy of verses upon that, sir. Hits him on the ear and exit. Re-enter Leanthe. How do you like the subject, sir? Tis a very copious one. Spitting. It has made my jaws rhyme in my head. This it is to be taught a poet. Every mince must be casting his profession in his teeth. What? Gone? Aye, she knows that making verses requires solitude and retirement. She certainly was afraid I intended to beg leave to dedicate something. If ever I make love like a poetical fool again, may I never receive any fever but a subject for a copy of verses. Re-enter Lucinda. I won't dismiss him thus, for fear he lampoon me. Well, sir, have you done them? Yes, madam, will you please to read? Catches her and kisses her three or four times. Oh, heaven, I can never bear it. I must devise some means to part them. Exit. Sir, your verses are too rough and constrained. However, because I gave the occasion, I'll pardon what's past. By the Lord, she was angry only because I didn't make the first offer to her lips. Then, madam, the peace is concluded? Yes, and therefore both parties should draw out of the field. Going. Not till we make reprisals. I make peace with sword in hand, madam, until you return my heart, which you have taken, or your own in exchange, I will not put up. And so, madam, I proclaim open war again. Catches her. Re-enter Leanthe. Oh, madam! Yonder's poor little crab, your lapdog, has got his head between two of the window bars, and is like to be strangled. The dog howls behind the scenes. Oh, Lord! My poor crabby! I must run to the rescue of my poor dog. I'll wait on you instantly. Come, come, Paige. Poor crabby! Exit with Leanthe. Oh, the devil choke crabby! Will I find there's much more rhetoric in the lips? than in the tongue. Had Bus been the first word of my courtship, I might have gained the outworks by this. Impudence in love is like courage in war, though both blind chances, because women and fortune roll them. Re-enter Leanthe. Sir, my lady begs your pardon. There's something extraordinary happened, which prevents her waiting on you as she promised. What? Has Monsieur Crabby rubbed some of the hairs off his neck? Has he disordered his pretty ears? She won't come again, then? No, sir. You must excuse her. 
then i'll go be drunk hucky sirrah i have half a dozen delicious creatures waiting for me at the sun you shall along with me and have your choice i'll enter you in the school of venus child tis time you had lost your maidenhead you're too old for playthings oh heavens i had rather he should stay than go there but why will you keep such company sir nay if you've heard advice farewell men of ripe understanding should always despise what babes only practice and dotards advise exit singing wild as winds and unconfined as air yet i may reclaim him his follies are weakly founded upon the principles of honour where the very foundation helps to undermine the structure how charming would virtue look in him whose behaviour can add a grace to the unseemliness of vice re-enter lucinda what is the gentleman gone yes madam he was instantly taken ill with a violent pain in his stomach and was forced to hurry away in a chair to his lodging exit oh poor gentleman he's one of those conceited fools that think no female can resist their temptations blockheads that imagine all wit to consist in blaspheming heaven and women i'll feed his vanity but starve his love and may all coxcombs meet no better fate who doubt our sex's virtue or dare prompt our hate exit scene two a room in widow bullfinch's house lyric discovered in a nightgown and cap writing at a table on which papers are scattered about two as good lines as ever were written rising egad i shall maul these topping fellows says mr lee let there be not one glimpse one starry spark but gods meet gods and jostle in the dark says little lyric let all the lights be burst out to a snuff and gods meet gods and play at blindman's bluff very well let gods meet gods and so fall out and cuff that's much mended they're as noble lines as ever were penned oh here comes my damned muse i'm always in the humour of writing elegy after a little of her inspiration enter widow bullfinch mr lyric what do you mean by all this here you have lodged two years in my house promised me eighteen pence a week for your lodging and i have never received eighteen farthings not the value of that mr lyric snaps with her fingers you always put me off with telling me of your play your play sir you shall play no more with me i'm in earnest this living on love is the dearest lodging a man's eternally dunned though perhaps he have less of one ready coin than t'other there's more trouble in a play than you imagine madam there's more trouble with a lodger than you think mr lyric first there's the decorum of time which you never observe for you keep the worst hours of any lodger in town then there's the exactness of characters and you have the most scandalous one i ever heard 
Then there's the laying the drama. Then you foul my napkins and towels. Then there are preparations of incidents, working the passions, beauty of expressions, closeness of plot, justness of place, turn of language, opening the catastrophe. Then you wear out my sheets, burn my fire and candle, dirty my house, eat my meat, destroy my drink, wear out my furniture. I have lent you money out of my pocket. Was ever poor rogue so ridden? If ever the muses had a horse, I am he. Faith, madam, poor Pegasus is jaded. Come, come, sir. He shan't slip his neck out of the collar for all that. Money I will have, and money I must have. Let your play and you both be damned. Well, madam, my bookseller is to bring me some twenty guineas for a few sheets of mine presently, which I hope will free me from your sheets. My sheets, Mr. Lyric? Pray, what do you mean? I'll assure you, sir, my sheets are finer than any of your muses spinning. Mary, come up. Faith, you have spun me so fine that you have almost cracked my thread of life, as may appear by my spindle shanks. Why, sure. Where was your Talia and your Melpomene when the tailor would have stripped you of your silk waistcoat and have clopped you on a stone doublet? Would all your golden verse have paid the sergeant's fees? Truly, you freed me from jail to confine me in a dungeon. You did not ransom me, but bought me as a slave. So, madam, I'll purchase my freedom as soon as possible. Flesh and blood can't bear it. Take your course, sir. There were a couple of gentlemen just now to inquire for you. And if they come again, they shan't be put off with the old story of your being abroad. I'll promise you that, sir. Exit. Zoons, if this bookseller does not bring me money. Enter Pamphlet. Oh, Mr. Pamphlet, your servant. Have you perused my poems? Yes, sir, and there are some things very well, extraordinary well, Mr. Lyric. But I don't think I'm for my purpose. Poetry is a mere drug, sir. Is that because I take physic when I write? Damn this costive fellow! Now does he not apprehend the joke? No, sir, but your name does not recommend them. One must write himself into a consumption before he gains reputation. That's the way to lie abed when his name's up. Now I lie abed before I can gain reputation. Why so, sir? Because I have scarcely any clothes to put on. If ever man did penance in a white sheet. You stand only sometimes in a white sheet for your offences with your landlady. Faith, I have often wondered how your muse could take such flights, yoked to such a cartload as she is. Oh, they are like the Irish horses. They draw best by the tail. Have you ever seen any of my burlesque, Mr. Pamphlet? I have a project of turning three or four of our most topping fellows into doggerel. As, for example, Conquest with laurels has our arms adorned, and Rome in tears of blood our anger mourned. Now, 
butchers with rosemary have our beef adorned which has in gravy tears our hunger mourned how do you like it mr pamphlet huh well like gods we passed the rugged alpine hills melted our way and drove our hissing wheels through cloudy deluges eternal rills now observe mr pamphlet pray observe like razors keen our knives cut passage clean through rills of fat and deluges of lean very well upon my soul hurled dreadful fire and vinegar infused ay sir vinegar how patly that comes in for the beef mr lyric tis all wondrous fine indeed this is the most ingenious fellow of his trade that i have seen he understands a good thing but as to our business what are you willing to give for these poems prithee say something there are about three thousand lines here take em for a couple of guineas no sir paper is so excessive dear that i dare not venture upon em well because you're a friend i'll bestow em upon you here take em all there's the hopes of a dedication still i give you a thousand thanks sir but i dare not venture the hazard they'll never quit cost indeed sir this fellow is one of the greatest blockheads that ever was a member of a corporation how shall i be revenged enter boy sir there are two men below desire to have the honour of kissing your hand they must be knaves or fools by their fulsome compliment hark ye whispers boy bid em walk up since you have got company sir i'll take my leave no no mr pamphlet by no means we must drink before we part boy a pint of sack and a toast exit boy these are two gentlemen out of the country who will be for all the new things lately published they'll be good customers come sit down you have not seen my play yet here take the pen and if you see anything amiss correct it i'll go bring em up stay lend me your hat and wig or i shall take cold going downstairs takes pamphlet's hat and wig and puts his cap on pamphlet's head and exit this is a right poetical cap tis bathed the outside and the lining fustian reading this is all stuff worse than his poems enter two bailiffs behind and clap him on the shoulder sir you're the king's prisoner that's a good fancy enough mr lyric but pray don't interrupt me i'm in the best scene egad the drama is very well laid come sir well well sir i'll pledge ye prithee now good mr lyric don't disturb me and furious lightnings brandished in her eyes that's true spirit of poetry zoons sir do you banter us takes him under each arm and hauls him up gentlemen i beg your pardon how do you like the city gentlemen if you have any occasion for books to carry into the country i can furnish you as well as many men about poles where's mr lyric these wits are damnable cunning i always have double fees for arresting one of you wits all your evasions won't do we understand traps sir 
You must not think to catch old birds with shafts, sir. Zounds, gentlemen, I'm not the person. I'm a freeman of the city. I have good effects, gentlemen, good effects. Do you think to make a fool of me? I'm a bookseller, no poet. Aye, sir, we know what you are by your fool's cap there. Yes, one of you wits would have passed upon us for a corn-cutter yesterday, and was so like one we had almost believed him. Hauls him. Why, gentlemen, gentlemen, officers, have a little patience and Mr. Lyric will come upstairs. No, no, Mr. Lyric shall go downstairs. He would have us wait till some friends come in to rescue him. Ah, these wits are devilish cunning. Exeunt bailiffs, hauling pamphlet. Re-enter Lyric with mock mode and club. Ha, ha, ha! Very poetical faith. A good plot for a play, Mr. Mockmode. A bookseller bound in calves' leather. Ha, ha, ha! How they walked along like the three volumes of the English rogue, squeezed together on a shelf. What was it? what was it mr lyric why i am a statesman sir i can't but laugh to think how they'll sponge the sheet before the errata be blotted out then how'll he hamper the dogs for false imprisonment but pray what's the matter mr lyric nothing sir but a shirking bookseller that owed me about forty guineas for a few lines he would have put me off so i sent for a couple of bulldogs and arrested him oh lord mr lyric honesty is quite out of doors tis a rare thing to find a man that's a true friend a true friend is a rare thing indeed mr lyric will you be my friend i only want that accomplishment i have got a mistress a dancing and fencing master and now i want only a friend to be a fine gentleman have you never had a friend sir yes a very honest fellow our friendship commenced in the college cellar and we loved one another like two brothers till we unluckily fell out afterwards at a game at tables i find then that neither of ye lost by the set but my short acquaintance can't recommend me to such a trust pshaw acquaintance you must be a man of honour as you're a poet sir but what use would you make of a friend sir only to tell my secrets to and be my second now sir a wit must be best to keep a secret, because what you say to one's prejudice will be thought malice. Then you must have a devilish deal of courage by your heroic writing. But know that I alone am king of me. Heavens! Sure the author of that line must be a plaguy stout fellow. It makes me valiant as Hector when I read it. Sir, we stick to what we write as little as divines to what they preach. Besides, sir, there are other qualifications requisite in a friend. He must lend you money. Now, sir, I can't be that friend, for I want forty guineas. Sir, I can lend you fifty upon good security. Twas the last word my father spoke on his deathbed, that I should never lend money without security. Fie, sir, security from a friend, and a man of honour by his profession, too. By the universe, that's true. You are my friend. Then I'll tell you a secret. They whisper. Now will this plaguy wit turn my nose out of joint. I was my master's friend before, though I never found the knack of borrowing money. 
though i have received some marks of his friendship some sound drubs about the head and shoulders or so i have been bound to him too in the stocks for his breaking windows very often mr mockmode you may be imposed upon i would see this lady you court i know mr lovewell has a mistress named lucinda but that she lodges in this house i much doubt imposed upon well, that's very comical <laughs> you shall see sir come pray sir you're my friend nay pray indeed sir i beg your they compliment for the door pardon you're a squire sir zounds sir you lie i'm not a fool i'll take an affront from no man draw sir draws draw sir egad i'll put his nose out of joint now unequal numbers gentlemen i'm only my master's friend his second or so sir what's the matter noble squire you lie again sir zounds draw strikes him with his sword ha a blow essex a blow yet i will be calm zounds draw sir strikes him oh patience heaven thou art my friend still you lie sir then thou art a traitor tyrant monster zounds sir you're a son of a whore and a rascal a scribbler ah ah that stings home scribbler ay scribbler ballad maker nay then i and the gods will fight it with ye all draws enter roebuck drunk and singing france will ne'er comply till her claret run dry then let's pull away to defeat her he hinders the peace who refuses his glass and deserves to be hanged for a traitor now <gasps> oh, my myrmidons fall on i have taken off the odds dub a dub dub a dub to the battle Sons, gentlemen why don't ye fight blood fight oblige me to fight a little he longed to see a little sport sir i scorn to show sport to any man puts up and so do i by the universe and i by the universe i shall take another time exit here rascal take your chubby knife gives club his sword and bring me a joint of that coward's flesh for your master's supper fly dog takes him by the nose oh this fellow's likeliest to put my nose out of joint exit now sir tell me how you durst be a coward coward sir i'm a man of great estate sir i have five thousand acres of as good fighting ground as any in england good terra firma sir coward sir have a care what you say sir my father was a parliament man sir and i was bred at the college sir oh then i know your genealogy your father was a senior fellow and your mother was an air-pump you were suckled by platonic ideas and you have some of your mother's milk in your nose yet form the proposition by mode and figure sir i told you so blow your nose child and have a care of dirting your philosophical slabbering bib 
What do you mean, sir? Your stanched band, set by mode and figure, sir. Band, sir? This fellow's blind drunk. I wear a cravat, sir. Then set a good face upon the matter. Throw off childishness and folly with your hanging sleeves. Now you have left the university. Learn, learn. This fellow's an atheist by the universe. I'll take notice of him and inform against him for being drunk. Pray, sir, what's your name? My name? By the Lord. I forgot. <laughs> Stay, I shall think on't by and by. Zounds, forget your own name. Your memory must be very short, sir. Ay, so it seems, for I was but christened this morning, and I have forgot it already. Was your worship then Turk or Jew before? I knew he was some damned blooded dog. Sir, I have been Turk, or Jew, rather, since, for I have got a plaguy heathenish name. Pox on't! Oh, now I have it. Mo mock, mock, mock mode. Mock mode? Mock mode? Sir, pray, how do you spell it? Go you to your ABC. You came last from the university. Sir, I'm called Mockmode. What family are you of, sir? What family are you of, sir? Of Mockmode Hall in Shropshire. The name of the Seab, I believe. I fancy, sir, that you and I are near relations. Relations? Sir, there are but two families. My father's, who is now dead, and his brother's, Colonel Peaceable Mockmode. Ay, ay. The very same colonel, peaceable. Is he not colonel of militia? Yes, sir. And was he not high sheriff of the county last year? The very same, sir. The very same. I'm of that family. And your father died about, let me see. About half a year ago. Exactly. By the same token, you got drunk at a hunting match that very day, seven night, he was buried. This fellow's a witch. But it looks very strange that you should be christened this morning. I'm sure your godfather's had a plaguey deal to answer for. Oh, sir, I'm a bead to answer for myself. One would not think so. You're so forgetful. Tis two and twenty years since I was christened, and I can remember my name still. Come, we'll take a glass of wine, and that will clear our understanding. We'll remember our friends. You must excuse me, sir. This is some sharper. Nay, prithee, cousin, good cousin Mochmode, one glass. I know you are an honest fellow. We must remember our relations in the country, indeed, sir. Oh, sir, you're so short of memory you can never call him to mind. You forgot yourself, sir. Mochmode is a heathenish name, sir, and all that, sir. And so I beg your pardon, sir. Exit. Now, were I lawyer enough, by the little inquiry into that fellow's concerns, I could bring in a full steed to cheat him of his estate. Enter Brush. Where the devil is thy master? You said I should find him here. Tis impossible for you, or me, or anybody to find him. Why? Because he has lost himself. The devil has made a juggler's ball of him, I believe. He's here now. Then, presto! Pass in an instant. He has got some damn business today in hand. 
Aye, so it seems. I must be Squire Mockmode, and caught an honourable mistress into devil's name. Well, let my sober-thinking friend plot on, and lay traps to catch futurity. I'm for holding fast the present. I have got about twenty guineas in my pocket, and whilst they lost, the devil take George if he thinks of futurity. I'll go hand in hand with fortune. She is an honest, giddy, reeling punk, my head, her wheel, turn around, and so we both are drunk. Exit reeling, brush following. End of Act Three.